Hello, and welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. We are so excited to bring you this show. Our podcast is all about unraveling all of your favorite mysteries from the Assassin's Creed games. Each episode, we'll be talking about a different topic in the Assassin's Creed universe. From Pieces of Eden, Solar Flares, and the Isu, to the Hidden Ones, the Order of Ancients, and of course, the Animus, we will seek to uncover it all. So join us, and maybe even take a leap of faith. Welcome to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. My name is Shelby. You might also know me as SheCup, and I'm here with my co-host for this show. And I'm Austin or Teacup. So today's a character deep dive. Um, I know I sound happy, but it's a lie. I'm faking it until I make it because this is a character I'm not looking forward to talking about. Yes, we are doing a character deep dive on the one, the only, William Miles cringe we will talk about why we love slash hate or just hate this character but let's just dive right into it so just in his early life some accomplishments we're going to do fun facts at the end he's born in 1948 this means that he is somewhere between 74 to 76 in the current timeline so it all depends on or between 74 and 73 and 75 because it depends on if the current timeline is going to pick up in 2022 or if it's going to pick up in 2023. But he's in his late 60s, 70s, the last we see him, which he looks good for 70. So how old does that make him like in Assassin's Creed 3, for instance? 64? Yeah, he does not look 64. He, he does looks not. Like, he looks like 40, 50. I think he looks mid fifties, fifties in in Assassin's Creed three, right? But yeah, so he's born in nineteen forty eight. Uh, he is a descendant of several assassins, including Ezio Alditori and the Kenway line, which should make sense because those are also Desmond's ancestors. Uh, but Desmond does get his Altair line from his mother's side, and we will. At the brief of this, we are going to talk about Desmond's mother because there's some interesting lore stuff that's going to come up with that. So make sure you stay till the end of the episode because there might be some stuff that you didn't know. And then William's first notable achievement as an assassin, because he's born an assassin, so he's never not an assassin, uh, is meeting uh, Natalie Chapman, who you might remember is the child of Borscht Posh and Zenina from the Bloodstone unit, and the one that is under the caretake of Warren Vidic. She meets him, and she basically gives him the stolen anim- animus plans, and that's his first really big contribution to the assassins. And so he basically, at this time, it's unknown. We know that he gets married at some point between 1977 and 1987. Um And so in that 10 years, he gets married, but he also goes and becomes the leader of what's called the farm. And so the farm is a located like 
hidden sanctuary in the Black Hills of South Dakota, where he basically lives with other people and they train assassins. And it's a training ground for assassins and it's a place kind of commune that they live. And so he becomes the leader of this. And so he becomes responsible for training young recruits, notably, obviously, Desmond and Clay Kasmarek and Lucy Stillman, though he does, when Lucy reaches 17, he sends her out and basically severs her ties to the Assassin's Brotherhood so she can infiltrate Abstergo Industries, which we talked about that in our Lucy Stillman deep dive. So if you want more information about that, you can do that. So William also raised Desmond very rigorously, and he would often emphasize the importance of being careful as well as being prepared for an attack at any time. And so I like to imagine that like Will Desmond basically had Dwight Schrute for a father. I mean, I could understand why he would want to leave that kind of situation. Right. So there is a small little detour during this. So we're going to fast forward another decade to the end of the 20th century. So in 1998, which now we are now in a period of time where I'm alive as a person. Me too. Yeah, I know. But I'm more important. Um. Sir, excuse. (laughs) Yeah, so in 1998, William was contacted by Paul Bellamy, the assassin in charge of the Brotherhood compound located outside of Philadelphia. Paul asked William to basically do a background check and search on an individual named Daniel Cross, who was brought into the compound by Hannah Mueller under the assumption that Daniel was an assassin. William collected information on Daniel's ancestry, which led to the discovery of the Russian assassin Nikolai Orlev, who we've talked about several times. Uh, William relays this information to Paul, and that, and with that kind of ancestry, this is what brings Daniel into the order. Now, I want to pause here, and I want to emphasize here, because this is an important mo- n- moment for William's characterization. It is on his recommendation in his research, that Daniel Cross is inducted into the Assassin Order. So just keep that in the back of your mind for William's kind of state of mind. And so at some point, uh, William does meet Cross and he believes his sincerity, which leads to Daniel personally being introduced to the elusive mentor of the Assassins. And he assassinates him because he's an Abstergo sleeper cell And this leads to the Great Purge. And basically, a lot of assassins are eradicated at this point. And this is where William basically becomes mentor because he is the highest ranking assassin left. So it's fair to say, then, that it's William Miles's fault that the Great Purge happened. I mean, like, is it the person who, like lets a person into the building posing as someone who needs help or someone who is genuinely interested in joining your community 
but ends up being a traitor? Like, is it the person who lets them in fault for that? No, absolutely not. But that's not what William Miles is. William Miles is not an everyday person, a doorman, a person that's going to react to someone that's dying. William Miles is a head honcho. William Miles is a person in charge. William Miles is a person in power. I think it's very akin to someone applying to volunteer in an organization with children having to go through a background check and then the person doing the background check doesn't do the background check and turns out they're an abuser. It's like that. There's no way that William did not have the capabilities to really do, you know, deep like searching of Daniel Cross's background of questioning. Um, There's no way he didn't have those resources to figure out that he was affiliated with Abstergo. No matter how much he tried to cover that up, there's no way. There's always something. In William Miles' defense, like, Abstergo hit it super well. I mean, and it's not it's not like, you know, someone trying to hide the evidence that there was, like, child abuse or covering that up or the person who covers that like overlooks something in their thoroughness of the background check. No, William did a thorough background check. Abstergo was just that good. It's like you do a background check some on someone and they end up abusing, but they had no flags in their background check or in their screening. They didn't present any of that. Like, are you then at fault because you didn't? I just think that as the person who is at, not maybe not maybe not the very top of the assassins organization but like he's second in line you know he's the next most senior person like there is some culpability on his hands right at this i will say at this point he is not the second most person in the assassins he is very mid-tier he becomes he becomes mentor because he's the highest ranking left it's like you know, when the whole concept of designated survivor, when the the designated survivor, when almost all of Congress is killed, is like the person who is like 13th or 14th in line for the presidency, like the department, right. the secretary of uh, it's like urban development or something like that. And so that that's kind of like what where William Miles is. He's definitely up there in leadership, but it's very like mid-high tier leadership. All right, that's fair. I'm not going right. to take it back, but I I see what you're saying. But I do think it's important to say William Miles views this as his fault. Good. I think he should. I would if I was him. I think he's made a lot of mistakes in his life. And I think there are a lot of mistakes he's made that he hasn't reflected on. And so if he needs to have this one haunt him, I'm fine with that. And just remember that I was very open in the Anders character deep dive in Dragon Age. I'm being open as much as I can. Right. So there's a lot more to William Miles, but this is a point. So like, Early into his career, so he comes up at the leadership basically as something of his fault that he views as his fault, whether or not it is actually his fault or not. Like, uh, it's Abstergo's fault that the Great Purge happens, in my opinion. Right, no. At the end of the day, that is absolutely true, and I do agree with that. So, basically, because William is working on this farm and that Daniel had never been to the farm, 
basically the Great Purge wasn't able to reach there. So the assassins in the farm, including William's wife, all survived the Great Purge. So with that, with the mentor dead and nearly all the assassin compounds seized by the Templars, the assassins obviously go into hiding and operate remotely from concealed hideouts and cells. Uh, with this, eventually the order fell onto William and he began to oversee all their activities. Sometime in 2003, Desmond abruptly departs the th farm, claiming he was fed up with his parents' paranoia about the Templars. And, you know, I get where Desmond lives with this, and I get that, but from a point of view, both William and Desmond's mother, who is unnamed, by the way, we do not know her name, um, both of them watched their entire world fall apart in an instant. And they were already kind of in secrecy and paranoid about the Templars and their gaining power. And then basically their worst nightmare happens like that. I kind of understand the paranoia. I absolutely understand the paranoia. That is completely understandable. And I have a lot of compassion for that, even though I've been rude to William so far in this episode. Um, but I do get the paranoia. I understand the fear because they've lost so much and they honestly, they still have a lot to lose. The farm still existed at this point in the, in the episode to where we've gotten, mm -hmm. I don't know if it still does, but yeah, they have a lot to lose. And I, I feel frustrated that Desmond's, claim and we can talk about whether it's true or not but like the reason he leaves is because he's frustrated with their being paranoid but honestly like there are so many more issues with william than just mm -hmm. him being paranoid about the templars like he doesn't treat desmond well i wish that was the reason that desmond left Mm-hmm. yeah definitely Definitely. Um, and so despite efforts to locate Desmond, William and the assassins were unsuccessful in retrieving him, which like props to Desmond, um, like to hide from assassins that they can't find you. Good work. And that this is kind of like a point of disbelief that I have to have with the series because they make such a point that they have to retrain Desmond with like assassin skills with Ezio. But, like, he was in, like, basically an assassin boarding school. Should he not already have these skills? Right, absolutely. It proves that they've taught him well. Right. It does, but, like, again, like, the whole thing, like, this makes me feel like, like the plot of Assassin's Creed 2 is somewhat irrelevant. Because does he really need the skills? And maybe, maybe it was just like it hadn't been fleshed. The story hadn't been fully fleshed out yet. And so this is a fact that this information is coming after the fact of Assassin's Creed 2 and everything. Yeah. And I think you can also see it as like, okay, he's got to refresh himself. He's got to get back in the swing of this because he's been gone for years. Um, so with Desmond's departure, William continued to loyally serve the order and kept in contact with Assassin Cells via their private email network. In 2012, Lucy Stillman continued to work covertly at Abstergo as the assistant to Warren Vidic, who was basically a member of the Inner Sanctum at this point. So after the death of Clay Kasmerik, 
who was subject 16, as we know, Abstergo's lineage, lineage and discovery division, which is gross sounding, managed to track down Desmond and capture him. And eventually he becomes subject 17. Around this time, William and the other assassins desert the farm before a team of Abstergo arrived there. And so it's also note that when they find out that Abstergo has Desmond, they send a team of assassins um, that try to retrieve him. And they're all massacred, like at the front gates of Abstergo. But this is a front. These assassins all agreed to stage this and basically die for the cause because it convinces Abstergo that the assassins are done for. Mm-hmm. because they're like oh those are the last that was the last group of assassins and so that's really it and like that's kind of like where we get to William before we start getting into the main Assassin's Creed timeline and so I think now would be a good time for our break alright well let's go to it Makose! shoot Shoot the flying demon! Malaka! 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 I get the sense you two are ill fit for whatever it is you're plotting. <laughs> this one takes us for a fool, brother. We sons of Ragnar have this well under control. No, we do not. Sons of Ragnar? I know of many, but never have I heard of dull and duller. Hello, and welcome to the middle of the show. This is where we talk about. All the things that have to do with the Assassin's Creed lore cast and not necessarily the lore of Assassin's Creed. The first thing I have to tell you is that this is the place where we thank all of our patrons. Thank you to everyone who's a current patron and for anyone who has been a patron in the past. We're super thankful for all of you. And you too can become a patron. It's the best way to support us. You can support us for as little as $5 a month. And it really does help us continue making this show. Um, And you can even come on the show yourself once a month and talk about anything. We vote on a topic every month and you can make suggestions and vote on those topics. So um, if you're interested and you've got a little bit of extra cash, definitely join the Patreon. And then the next thing I have to plug is the next best way to support us. If you can't support us financially is to give us a rating or a review. If you leave us one with five stars and some kind words, we'll read it out on the show. And if you haven't heard, Spotify has just launched the ability to leave reviews as well. It's more of a Q&A where you can comment on episodes. Um, so if you leave one of those, we'll read it out on the show too. And I do have one to read. And this one comes from mad fourteen. 59 and they said it was awesome and mind-blowing to find out that berg was actually mentioned as far back as revelations wow i know that i thought the same thing that was really awesome thank you for leaving that comment And then the last thing I have to talk about is the Discord. Definitely come join us on Discord and hang out with us. Um, It's my favorite place on the internet. We have a lot of fun goofing off, and it's just a great place to hang out and talk about Assassin's Creed and Dragon Age and Jedi Survivor and Starfield and all of our favorite games and all of the games that we cannot wait to play for the very first time. So other than that, I don't have any more uh, playthrough updates, But I think that's all we've got for the middle of the show. Me, Haytham, I come in peace. 
Why are you speaking so slow? <sighs> Sorry. What? Um, I, I was told you could train me. No. Go away! I'm not leaving! Bianca! Bianca! Is everything all right? What do you think? Look at this place! And poor Bianca. If something's happened to her... Aha! Oh, my darling. Thank God you're all right. Ezio, meet Bianca. Bianca, Ezio. Charmed. Let's get back into it. So naturally, after William learns that Desmond is captured by Abstergo, everything is around getting him back. That is his entire motivation, is getting Desmond out of Abstergo's hands. As we know, Lucy eventually does break Desmond out of the Abstergo facility in Italy, and the two join Sean Hastings and Rebecca Crane to continue Desmond's animus research. During this time, William is kept, kept in contact with Lucy's team and learned of Desmond's progress. The events unfold and Lucy is killed before William can make physical contact with the team. So basically, William dispatches several assassins to retrieve them from the vault and place Desmond inside of the Animus due to his fear of sedating Desmond too soon. So Desmond continues to relive Ezio's memories where he relives memories of Ezio and Leonardo discovering the vault of Pythagoras. Um, and this leads to the location of the Grand Temple. Uh, and so once that complete, William instructed basically Harlan Cunningham to sedate Desmond. Although at this point it was too late, Desmond had entered the coma and had fallen into the Animus Black Room. Uh, William remained confident that his son would recover. And so he and Harlan left Desmond to investigate the coordinates of the Grand Temple. And so I want to pause here again to kind of, again, like let's view William's psyche. William makes this error of letting Daniel cross and giving his stamp of approval for him to join the brotherhood that leads to the great purge. Not only this, he now has, he has now lost two of his farm students. And like, this is important to note about the farm is that William was their parent. William basically raised them. So these are two people that he would, both Clay and Lucy would have been people who he would have viewed at least as children. And now one of them had defected to Abstergo, wasn't a sleeper cell, like actually defected to Abstergo because of actions he put her through. And Clay died because he trusted Lucy to remain loyal. And then now his son is in a coma because of some... First Civilization, Isu, Mumbo Jumbo, that all resulted because he placed an Abstergo mole in with this team. So now, again, we have William Miles in his in his brain naturally thinking he is responsible for these big tragedies, which, to be more fair to him, he kind of is in this one because he is the one who abandons Lucy Stillman. And he abandons her when she's young. Mm -hmm. Like, 
17. She's not a fully formed adult yet. She probably, and I know we've gone over this on her deep dive, but I can't imagine the loneliness and the isolation she felt then. And I can understand that William also probably felt a lot of loneliness and isolation, but at the same time, he's a 40 year old man and she's a 17 year old girl. A 40 year old adult should not be putting a teenager in that situation. And I know we all have to make sacrifices like for the causes we align ourselves with, but also as the leader of that cause, you have a responsibility to protect the teenagers that are in your care. And I don't feel like William does that. Right. Um, I think that's a fair point. And so we get there, but like, just again, keep this, this is point number two that I want us to be involved in with William's psyche, basically of where we're getting there. And so Desmond remains in the Animus while William transported Rebecca and Desmond to New York, while Sean stayed in Italy to attend Lucy's funeral. During this time, William examined the Apple of Eden, though he concluded that he did not have the genes to properly wield it. Now, this is an interesting piece of lore because it suggests that the Isu DNA that is prevalent for people to use pieces of Eden can skip generations because Desmond can use the apple with no fear to himself. Like Ezio can, like Altair can. They're both, they're all resistant to the apple's influences. And this suggests that maybe William is not. So upon arrival, William and Rebecca stabilize Desmond as well as monitor his condition. So basically William questions them and William mentions that Desmond's DNA has a high concentration of first civilization DNA, which allows him to wield the Apple of Eden. When Desmond woke from his coma, William is the first to greet him, with Desmond seems surprised to see him, naturally, but does recognize him. Desmond, after seeing the Apple nearby, stated that to his team that he knew what they needed to do, and William proceeded to lead the team out of their van to the Grand Temple. So they do, as we know, they enter the Grand Temple and basically they put him back into the Animus after a bleeding effect. He experiences Haytham's memories and then he knows what he needs to find. So this leads to a pretty intense moment with Desmond and William. Um, So basically Desmond accuses William of being no better than the Templars. And this prompts William to actually punch his son in the face and say, never compare me to those bastards. And so I want to pause here and I want to talk about this moment because we've both seen this moment several times. And one, I know they're both adults, but like, I'm never going to be okay with a parent hitting their child like that. Right. And like, I know people can have their opinions about spanking kids or whatever, but like, that is not what this is. This is assaulting your child. Right. And I know that Desmond isn't a child at this point, but it's still in there. No, he's not legally a child, but he's still always going to be William's child. My thing about William is that I don't feel like he's ever treated Desmond as a son. He's treated Desmond as a future assassin as an assassin he's treated desmond as clay to be molded he's treated desmond as something to be used he has never to our knowledge treated desmond as a human being who has needs and wants that i made that i'm responsible for and that i love right it's a big tragedy because like that's not revealed 
that he actually does love Desmond until it's too late. Exactly. That's part of like the point I'm trying to make, like that that William Miles story is a tragedy in and of mm. itself. And, and like, I do agree with that. I do agree with that. Mm-hmm. And so basically they have this and they have this a lot of heart to heart. William, William reveals that his driving force, what he's tried to spend his whole career as assassin, basically since like right before and after the Great Purge, is that he wanted to make a better world for Desmond. That he wanted to rid them of the Templars and make sure there was a world that Desmond could live long in. And the impending countdown of this of the disaster of the second great catastrophe doesn't afford Desmond the time or William the time to relax. However, in this conversation, he does acknowledge that he was a poor father to Desmond, uh, though this does little to actually heal the rift between the two. So later, Desmond conversed with his father again, and you can do this in game, uh, who he apologized for snapping him, and they basically learn that they set their difference at size, and Desmond starts asking about the what happened basically after they left the farm. And so... Meanwhile, Abstergo has been tracking William for some time as they mean to use him as bait. Vidic plan- planned to capture him in the hope that Desmond would exchange the apple for his father's safety or attempt to rescue him. And so this leads kind of foreshadowing into when in AC3, when Sean located the third power source in Cairo, William volunteered to go there. As they were running on the time, he wanted Desmond to focus on locating the key to the Grand Temple. Uh, on his way there, uh, he emailed his son telling him to relax and not worry about William because he had been fighting these bastards long before Desmond was ever born. So, but this is a trap because they're tracking William. Vidic sends Giuliani, Juhani Otzoberg to capture William in the Cairo Museum. And honestly, at this point, like William didn't stand a chance. Like, I don't care how experienced of an assassin he is. Him by himself walking into a trap laid by Berg. He's lucky that they wanted to capture him. And so they bring him to the building where Desmond had been incarcerated as Subject 17. William was, in fact, placed in an animus, but refused to cooperate or synchronize properly. And so knowing that this would prevent Abstergo from using his memories to their advantage. And so I kind of talk about how he does this is basically they would put him to try to relive his ancestors' memories. And then like for an AC2 example, he'd be like, okay, I'm going to go kill a bunch of innocents to cause a desynchronization. I'm not going to proceed to the sync points. I'm not going to do any of this. So this is when Vidic basically sends the message to the assassins, basically saying, if you want your father to live, bring me the apple of Eden. So Desmond complies, but he goes to raid Abstergo, which we can do in game. Uh, Desmond basically uses the apple to um, influence Abstergo guards into killing Vidic and then themselves before leaving the facility with his father. And then the end of AC3, which as we know, Desmond finds the key and he opens the Grand Temple and saves the world but at the cost of his life, and he ends up sacrificing himself to ensure a different and better future for humanity. And so that is a big point. Another point now for William, 
not only has he lost two of the people he probably raised as assassins, now he has now lost his own son, who, in a lot of ways, I'm sure William views did what William never really could, which was sacrifice himself. Shelby has lots of thoughts, but she has, she's probably writing them all down so she doesn't forget them. I have written down some thoughts. That is that is true. You know me too well. I guess yeah. here's my thing about Desmond's death. Um, I guess I just, and I think I've said this on the podcast before, I guess I just don't understand how William can justify letting Desmond sacrifice himself, letting his son die and then have the audacity to basically grieve him when William could have stepped in and sacrificed himself instead. Right. This is the point of notice. The Grand Temple needed to be activated by someone with a high concentration of Isu DNA. But William also has the same DNA as Desmond. That was the point earlier that he couldn't use the apple because he doesn't have the genes. William also has to have a large concentration of isu dna it just isn't necessarily the same like combination and amount that maybe desmond has well so it's important to note um this is kind of how this works because desmond is a special case so altair and Ezio both have large portions of isu dna that gets translated and then back into the kenway line and it reverses themselves all, all of them basically marry and have children with people who do not have high concentrations of Isu DNA. Desmond is the product of two Isu lines of high concentration. So I think that that's part of that's part of the thing about this is that like Desmond has it coming from both sides of his family because his mother is from Altair's line and his father is from Ezio's line. I, so maybe that's where that gets where William's yeah. Isu DNA is more diluted than Desmond's is. Yeah, and that's that's fine. That's fair. I get your argument. But from an emotional standpoint, because I, at the end of the day, like the isu dna thing like that's magic mumbo jumbo to me that's stuff that i can't control i'm concerned with the relational aspect of it because that's stuff that you and i and our listeners anybody who's listening that's stuff that we can relate to that's something we can learn from and that's something mm -hmm. that affects us too we all have relationships with parents and children um we don't have isu dna the isu don't exist in our world so to me i'm approaching it definitely from that more relational aspect of a parent who unconditionally loves their child and would do anything to make sure their child continues living another thing to note and i'd have to go back and watch the scene which i didn't do in preparation of this episode but there are sometimes when the isu talk to desmond they're only talking to desmond none of the other people are aware of the conversation that is happening and i don't remember how exactly that plays out in the grand temple so it's possible William never got the chance to offer himself instead of Desmond. It's possible. That's fair. Right. 
And so William, Sean, and Rebecca then spend the next six months in hiding. Eventually overwhelmed by the loss of his son, William resigns from his position in the order and delegated all of his duties to Gavin Banks, which we talked about. William also left Gavin a codex detailing what he had learned before departing. Sean and Rebecca spent some time trying to locate William, but were unsuccessful. After they met Gavin in Peru, they passed on William's book and opted to carry on his mission. Gavin expressed hope that William would return when he recovered from his loss. In the meantime, Sean and Rebecca began searching for Desmond's body as they felt they owed it to him. When an Abstergo Entertainment research analyst gave the assassins everything Abstergo had recovered from Desmond's body, including his memos to his father, which if you play Assassin's Creed Black Flag, you can go and see and what those say. William was able to move on and send a message of thanks to the analyst. By early January of 2014, William had returned to the assassins, although he remained an elusive and difficult to contact as he had been when he was absent. And so then we talk about kind of what we talked about with Gavin's cell, where they have the showdown of the bunker, where they have to find the initiate spy. Uh, Following the Templar's acquisition of the Shroud of Eden for basically Project Phoenix, William ordered all assassins worldwide to find the Abstergo scientists and the laboratory, destroy it, kill the scientists, and recover the Shroud, which we know, and we'll talk about that that does not go very well. So they do end up destroying the Shroud. So kind of where he is now, William does eventually track down Layla and recruits her and sets her up with the team to track down the staff of Hermes. William then moves Layla in uh, with Sean and Rebecca after the events of AC Odyssey to help her heal and recover. We last see William is him talking via Animus hologram to Basim. And so this is important for me because like another, I want to put this other point in here. Ed, spoiler alert for anyone who has not played Assassin's Creed Valhalla, but Layla also dies. And we now have another recruit that William has brought in and fostered and tried to help who is now end up dead. This kind of like paints the picture of where William is. And so I've got some fun facts, which now that we're all depressed, I can tell us our fun facts. Um, So first of all, is that along with Galena, William is the only modern-day assassin to use the dual hidden blades. So they're the only two. In Assassin's Creed Rogue, we can get a message in the Assassin's Creed server that William Miles is dead. However, it is quickly followed up by a message that says William Miles is alive. It is unclear whether the William Miles that was dead was a body double or the real one, or it's just false information in the panic of the events of Assassin's Creed Rogue. Uh, William's wife and Desmond's mother could still be alive as she does escape the farm. And when Desmond asks about her, William says that we will see her when they have dealt with the second solar flare. But of course, Desmond doesn't get to do this because he never leaves the Grand Temple after they save the world. And so it is possible that Desmond's mother is still around kicking with the assassins. Why is she unnamed? I don't know. I'm really annoyed by that. I am too. I looked. I looked very hard for her name. She is linked in the wiki under wife, but her entry is actually called Desmond's Miles' mother. 
That's better than William Miles's wife. We're here for why do you love or hate this character? I've been thinking about this all week, actually, because I knew that we were going to record this episode today. Um, And I've been trying to figure out why I hate William so much, because William is up there with, for me, like most hated characters of all time. Like, I don't think there's a person in Dragon Age that I hate as much as William Miles. I don't think that there's a person in Mass Effect that I hate as much as William Miles. I don't think there's a character in Star Wars that I hate as much as William Miles. So he's definitely up there for me. Um, Most hated characters of all time. And so I've been trying to figure out, like, what is it that sets me off about him? And I think I've I've come to uh, an answer, at least, because I agree with your take that William's story is a story of tragedy. But the reason why I have such an emotional response to him is because it's his story is one that we are all at risk of becoming like. We all have the capacity to be like William if we don't listen to our emotions, if we don't share what we're feeling with other people, if we don't process our grief, we all absolutely have the capacity to be like William. And I think that that's what makes me have such a visceral response to him. Um, But the reasons why I hate him are not because he doesn't process his emotions, not because he doesn't grieve. Like we all do those things, maybe not to the extent that William does, but the reason why I hate William so much is because of the way that he treats Desmond. Um, I just can't, I just can't at all get over the way he treats his own son. Um, It very much feels neglectful and emotionally abusive. And it's like William, William's treatment of, Desmond feels like okay he treated him as a tool for all these years and then when Desmond leaves William is mad because it's like how dare he have the audacity to leave after I've mistreated him for all these years but William can't recognize that he even mistreated Desmond um and so for me it's like his priorities are all wrong I understand that you want to be loyal to the assassins above all things but at the same time don't have a kid if you're not prepared to love them and care for them i also think william is relatable i kind of touched on that earlier but there are are people we all know like william um who say one thing and don't demonstrate it with their actions at all and so that's another reason but I mean, I think the biggest thing lore wise for me is like William really needed to figure out or have the reflection inwardly enough to recognize that maybe he wasn't the right person to lead the assassins in that time. I I agree with that. Uh, My feelings of William Miles, I don't like him and I don't think that he's a good father to Desmond. I definitely do that, but I will... One thing that I'm kind of like reserving judgment for is that William Miles' story is not over yet. Like Desmond's story is over. Well, yeah, Desmond's story is over. Um, But William's is not. And I think it will be a wasted storytelling opportunity if William is exactly the same as he was when we left him in AC3. Like if he's still reckless, like throwing assassins' lives 
into Jeopardy just for the cause to stick it to the Templars, like, I will be very disappointed in the route that Ubisoft decides to take because I think there's an opportunity to show a really round and robust character and even, like, an elderly character who has changed his ways and has wanted to reestablish his connection there. Mm-hmm. And be better. And he talks about that one of the reasons that he comes back after Desmond's death is that when he figures out what they were doing with his body, he feels a sense of conviction that I can't walk away from fighting these people. They have to be stopped. And so I think that William comes back with a new like conviction to the creed. But I hope that when we, if we see him at all in AC Mirage or further on in the series with the modern day storyline, I hope that he is different. I hope that he has learned and that these moments, these points of like tragedy and failure on William's part really shape him. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I'm not going to reserve judgment yet, um, but I do absolutely reserve the right to be proven wrong. You know, I will come on this show and will say that I was wrong if he comes back and is a completely different character. I'm not sure that that's going to happen. I'm not sure that that's realistic, but I will admit it if I end up taking something back, whatever. All right. Well, that's all I got for this episode. All right. Well, let's wrap it up. Um, This was a good episode. I really enjoyed it, even though this was not a subject I want to talk about. Um, I appreciate your research. I feel like you did a really good job bringing all of this information together. So thank you for that. But uh, thank you all for listening so much to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. You can find us on Twitter at AC Lorecast. If you have any lore questions or topics to unpack, join our Cups Podcasting and More Discord server. It's the best place on the internet. You can also support us financially through our Patreon. Find us on patreon.com slash Assassin's Creed Lorecast. The Assassin's Creed Lorecast is part of the Robots Radio Network. For more information about the Robots Radio Network, join the Discord server via the link in our episode's description. If you enjoyed the show or learned something new today, please subscribe, leave us a review, and join the Patreon. And if you enjoyed our intro and outro music, make sure you give a big thank you to Pipe Man Studios. Thank you, Pipe Man. Thanks again for listening to the Assassin's Creed Lorecast. And always remember, Assassins, stay in the shadows to serve the light.
Hi, welcome to Three Count Thoughts. Let me introduce the crew real quick. Hi, I'm Maverick Stone. I'm Romer. And I'm Jaxus. Join us as we talk all things wrestling. Each week, we'll take a topic from the wrestling world, knock it around a bit, and then go over the week in wrestling from a strictly fan perspective. We can be found on all major podcast catchers. We can also be found at Three Count Thoughts on both YouTube and Twitter. Or you can send us an email using threecountthoughts at gmail.com. Okay, are you ready? Ring the bell. <laughs>